0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast, where we have taste. We have a sense of taste as well. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic um, of no renown whatsoever, and with me as always is... My name is
1: William Bimiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. I never pretended to have any renown. And uh, this week on Critically Acclaimed, we're reviewing the new releases, Moonfall, the worst person in the world... Polystyrene, I am a cliché, Alone
0: With You, and Slapface. Yeah, it sounded like you were calling polystyrene the worst person in the world. Well, a lot of things sound mm. like a lot of things. I'm not responsible <laughs> for that. Uh, why don't you talk about Moonfall? <laughs> we're just gonna jump right in, uh, huh? because, uh... I, i'm eager to hear about it and i'm sad i missed it ah so, okay this, this is one this is only playing in theaters and so i wasn't able to to catch it in my uh, very few spare hours that i have these days
1: uh moonfall is the latest uh, uh film from roland emmerich roland emmerich is one of the more significant filmmakers of the turn of the century Uh, he started making sort of, uh, smaller genre films, I think in the 80s and 90s. I saw this one weird ghost movie he did about a couple of, like... Yeah, Ghost Chase. Ghost Chase, yeah, a couple of losers, uh, trying to, like, make their way in wacky Hollywood, and they befriend a ghost, and they decide to chase that ghost. I remember very little of that
0: weird film. Uh, I, I, what I remember most about Ghost Chase is, uh, the... The pop song that they used incessantly throughout it, wow. it was called Imagination um, by, I'm, I don't even know how to pronounce it, Balooie some Okay. Balooie um Balooie Sumay? I'm not exactly <clears throat> sure how to pronounce the, the, the actual artist's name. Uh, Imagination will make a <laughs> man of you. Uh, they, they played that song over and over again. Uh, yeah, Roland Emmerich, interesting fellow. Uh, yeah. Because... His films are always incredibly ambitious. Yeah. They're clunky and soap operatic. Mm -hmm. They have typically have pretty shallow characterization. They go for Mm -hmm. a lot of broad character types. But they connect and they
1: connect mostly. Some, Mm -hmm. Some of them don't work, but they connect for, I think, two reasons. Uh, one, he has a great eye. He is, uh, in terms of just pure cinema spectacle... Or just for visuals, yeah. Just for visuals. He's a great visual storyteller. Uh, he mm, did a film... For the no, most no, part. No, no, I will, I will, I will stand by this, actually. right. I'm not saying he tells profound stories, mm. but I think if you turn off the sound in a Roland Emmerich movie, you can tell what the fuck is going on. Yeah. He did a film a couple of years ago, I think it's the most recent film besides Moonfall, called Midway. Kind of came and went, you mm. know, it was number one at the box office for like a week, and then it was gone. Uh, and it's this—it's a World War II story about the Battle of Midway, one of the most significant uh, 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 military conflicts of the 20th century. The acting is terrible. The <laughs> spectacle is amazing. And in fact, I have argued that if you just turn off the sound of that movie and you put like 20 dialogue cards in there just for exposition purposes, you've got a dynamite silent film. <laughs> like a truly great silent film. He could do it. He knew how to tell a story that way. Um, But the other thing that he did And after uh, like four or five films He hooked up with a screenwriter Named Dean Devlin And mm. together
0: Made some of the biggest hits of the 90s They
1: made Universal Soldier Which was a modest success But it was a big hit It was uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren Were Vietnam soldiers who died But they were collected Their bodies were collected after uh, the war And they were turned into unstoppable zombie killing machines By the government and then uh, Jean Claude Van Damme starts remembering his past, and so does Dolph Lundgren. But Dolph Lundgren was like worse than like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. Like he was like a, he <laughs> was like a, he was like a serial killer in the jungle. Sweet. And Jean Claude Van Damme is now has to stop Dolph Lundgren and his army of Universal soldiers. That movie is a hoot. But from that point on, they found a formula, and this formula worked, and it kind of still works. And the formula is really really simple. You know that one silly conspiracy theory you've heard? It's real. That's it. Almost all of their movies, almost all of their big movies, are that. Stargate. What if aliens built the pyramids? That's the movie. There's always like one character at the beginning who gives a who gives a uh, uh, a speech about why they're right. Nobody believes them, but it turns out they're right. So the government goes to them, and they have to like save the day. Bada bing. Uh, Independence Day Plays out a little bit like that uh, Jeff Goldblum is the guy Who figures out the aliens Are going to attack Before everyone else But also it turns out Area 51 is real Slight change in the formula But bada bing You got it Day after tomorrow Turns out climate change Is super duper real And it's like, so It's dangerous Like a movie villain Like like we was we, we didn't realize How real it was Like it was going to like All hit tomorrow Like so boom It kind of treats it Like a conspiracy theory But bada bing uh, Anonymous anonymous is what if shakespeare didn't write his own plays With all the bombast you'd get yeah. from the day after tomorrow, 2012, what if... What if, the, the, what if the, the Aztec calendar was right? What if the Aztec calendar was right and said that in 2012, the world would end? What if that was real? Who the hell knows? I'm Holy
0: kind of, shit. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't done, like, a Nostradamus biopic.
1: I would not be surprised if that's in the cards. Mm. Uh, even uh, White
0: House down is basically like, hey, what if Republicans really are
1: all out to get us and want to continue the war machine forever, And if <laughs> and if we could just put a stop to the Republicans... Uh, we'd all live in a utopia. At the end of that movie, after the Republicans have been defeated, uh, they literally declare world peace. World peace. <laughs> like, oh, it's that, amazing. That's
0: the, that's the cherry on the top of the... It's White, amazing. White House Down is one of the best action films of the last decade. Yes, it, it is, is. It is excellent. Um, Truly glorious. Uh, And, of course, Stonewall. What if Stonewall was started by Warhorse? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying every single film he's ever made fits this mold, <laughs> no. But most of them do, and most
1: of the hit ones do. Yeah. And Moonfall is a return to that formula, except here mm. the theory is something I've never fucking heard before. And if this is a real theory, it's just, I'm not. I don't want to. I, you know what? I don't want the lesson. I'm not asking for for the emails. I you know just I, I just don't know about it, and I, it just comes across as really silly. I do
0: want to know about it because okay. I, I I'm a big fan of conspiracy theories, yeah. uh, the fun ones. Yeah. Uh, st- stuff like QAnon, where it's like, oh, it turns out fascists are good. Um, I don't want to hear about those. Ones. Yeah, that's those, the, are, those that's, are less fun. Those are
1: the, the, the conspiracy theories that take up the most bandwidth today hmm. are diabolical. Yeah, because man. they're not fun. They're not about what if the universe is more magical than we thought. Uh, it's always about how it's always uh, clearly not real. Like there's oh, yeah, de- if- there's definite evidence right now. It's all stuff that happened recently. That well, we can definitely is,
0: prove. The idea is like what what if uh like being gentle and progressive is actually that's the real conspiracy. What if that's the most and evil thing the, in those, the world? The 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 reason people are acting like gentle and progressive is because they're in the thrall of some sort of like pizza based uh sex slavery ring. it's yeah, like,
1: it's, right? it's, it's just creepy yeah. and manipulative, and it's all very politically based. And that's not to say that there isn't a political bias behind a lot of the conspiracy mm. theories I already just talked about, uh, and some of which weren't even conspiracy theories. Climate change is a, is a real thing, yeah. but the movie treats it like conspiracy theory is My point with well, the cover up is yeah, like, the, the, the cover up is conspiracy. It's a good point. Um, but uh, in any case, this one is just so ridiculous. It's it's like the flat Earth theory, but sillier. Which is impressive because it's not a lot sillier than the flatter theory. Um, theory.
0: Is the moon made of green cheese? I, Are Wallace and Gromit up there chasing around a vending machine? That
1: would be less silly than what we got. So, <laughs> I remember when the trailers for Moonfall came out and a lot of people were really excited about it because this looked really really stupid. But then I started putting out trailers that made it look like aliens might be involved and everyone's like whoa, 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 spoilers! Literally the first scene in the movie. It's not a spoiler it's literally the plot of the film. They're not even hiding this. Uh... The th- the conspiracy is what if the moon is a cover up?
0: The moon, the moon, like the moon was the moon is a lie constructed. Yes, <laughs> okay. The moon, what is? It's a mega
1: structure. That's the term they use all the time. That's, One of the protagonists so, so of this what, movie what refers moon... to himself. He refers to this uh, by John Bradley from Game of Thrones. He refers to himself not as a scientist. But a megastructuralist, he only studies megastructures, which is basically like Dyson spheres, but
0: there are other kinds. Um, okay. The idea is Dyson wh- spheres is a, a yeah. constructed planet with a miniature sun on uh, the inside of a gigantic shell, uh-huh. and the
1: that uses the sun to power the planet,
0: and and the uh, and the people who live near this sun live on the uh, inside of this shell.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, it's a sci-fi concept. It's nothing. No, no one's actually it's, working uh, no, on this. No, no, this is not something that's been built. <laughs> this is just, it's a pretty ridiculous idea if you think about and, it. And I
0: have to but, look up who Dyson is, in fact. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah. it's named after the guy from T2. Anyway, uh, so the idea is the moon is a megastructure. The moon was created by aliens. We don't know why. I'm not going to tell you exactly why, so I said to say it is stupid. And at the beginning of the movie, uh, Patrick Wilson and Holly Berry are in space. And they are attacked by an alien thingy. It looks like uh it looks kinda like the smoke monster from Lost, like a big kinda tendril made of like nanobots.
0: Okay. And
1: they attacks them, and they like crash on Earth and everything's fine, but you know, one of, one of their guys dies. Uh and then the alien thing burrows into the moon, and then like eight, twelve years later, the moon is fucked. The moon has decided to kill us all. The moon is, it's the, the orbit of the moon ha, is starting to degrade. Okay. And in no, a that, spiraling. That can
0: be enough. It can just be a disaster, oh, oh, right? Oh, that
1: would have been enough, right? There. That's the, the, you just, that's enough right there. Yeah. The, the moon is starting to degrade. I don't even need a reason for that. That's just a problem that needs to be solved. It's kind of like in the core. Oh, no, the core of the Earth is starting to slow down. They had to come up with some bullshit reason for that. Just say it is. I don't care why. (laughs) That's not why we're here. But in any case, the moon has started to degrade. It's going to destroy the Earth. The moon's going to get closer and closer and closer to the Earth. It's going to create gravity wells that cause people to fall upwards towards the moon. It's going to siphon off our oxygen. There's scenes in the movie, and this might be my favorite thing, where people have to outrun the moon, on oh. foot. <laughs> the moon snuck
0: up on them. Oh, god. <laughs> they're like, oh I, god, the moon! I can, and I they gotta, have to run. I can only think the moon gets them. Oh my god! <laughs> I, can, I can only think of the scene in in the day after tomorrow yeah. where they, they outrun cold. It's
1: like Roland Emmerich was tired of hearing shit about that, so he uh-huh. decided to come up with something sillier. So it's now people outrunning the moon
0: it's because the moon is getting closer oh, with no, every revolution as it, so it gets bigger and bigger and oh, starts like god. lifting
1: people off the ground every <laughs> single time. Wonderfully stupid Almost every single line of dialogue in this movie mm. Is either Just generic Or really ridiculous uh, The line that got The biggest laugh in the theater I actually can't tell you Because it's a spoiler, it's on the very last scene But it was, oh, it yeah. was a laugh right The second biggest laugh Was after the moon has started to degrade Everyone knows that you can see it getting closer In the sky mm. All of Los Angeles is flooded uh, you know, their pieces of the planet are getting ripped upwards. Earthquakes are starting to shatter everything. And Holly Berry goes to Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson is a former astronaut and they need, they need to sneak up on the moon because the Patrick moon can recognize their technology. So we got to use an old space shuttle <laughs> the, the, and only Patrick moon, Wilson can fly the old space. The
0: shuttle. moon recognizes us. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh 100%. Yes. And so you go to the Patrick Wilson and they say, Patrick Wilson, my friend, <laughs> they say, Patrick Wilson, we need you to, we need you to jump in a space shuttle and save the earth from the moon. And Patrick Wilson says, and this is a quote, I don't know, I got a lot of stuff going on down here.
0: <laughs> <It's> more important. <laughs> yeah. I got, more important I'm a, a little to. busy right now. What? <laughs>
1: Anyway uh, Patrick Wilson and Holly Berry No, do do go on, please Patrick Wilson, (laughs) Holly Berry, and John Bradley uh, Have to uh, jump in a space shuttle They have to take off in the space shuttle As a giant tidal wave hits it Which is amazingly epic Splash through the
0: tidal wave Pretty fucking
1: amazing, actually, I'm not gonna lie And they gotta fly up to the moon And that's when shit gets weird starting then starting then is when it gets weird because once they actually get like in the moon we've learned more shit and i'm not gonna ruin that for you i want people to see this movie is it the creatures it's, from the explorers no um, i wish that would have been a great callback it's a different vibe right. it's a very different vibe they're going to totally tell different. me because i'm gonna I'm not, see this you need to see this
0: there's no way I'm not seeing
1: this. <laughs> this movie is. I'm trying to think of some of the other stupid lines. Uh, I've lost track of how many lines of dialogue or something like. You don't understand. We're dealing with a mega structure. Everything you know has just been thrown out the window. Basically, just as an excuse to have no science whatsoever in this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, and I this I don't. I I don't know if if I don't know if Elon Musk is a friend of the screenwriter. Or if he, like, gave them money or, like, helped them, like, use, like, a space shuttle that he owned or whatever. On two separate occasions, he is randomly celebrated. There's a part early in the oh, movie boy. where... Boy, howdy, do I love that Elon Musk fellow. Yes. <laughs> you joke. Oh, but no. yes. Oh, no. Early on in the movie, John Bradley knows that the moon is going to destroy us all and he's trying to figure out how to save the world... And apropos of nothing, he's just in his room, like God, there must be something I can do. What would Elon do? That's it. That's the whole bit. Are you
0: sure it's Musk? Yes.
1: Maybe it's because, somebody else. No, Maybe no, it's somebody no, else no, named Elon. He has a poster. <laughs> he has a poster of Elon Musk behind him, and that's it. Uh,
0: that's not necessarily conclusive. Later in that <laughs> later in that later
1: in the movie, they meant, they name check SpaceX real fast. At uh, which point John Bradley turns to everyone and says, I love Elon. Oh, no! As though they're bros, they went to college together uh, it, on first name, it, it basis. Could,
0: um maybe he was talking about Sissy SpaceX <laughs> the actress,
1: okay, so we're gonna go up into outer space, and we're gonna need to refuel the space shuttle on Sissy SpaceX. Yes, she's <laughs> just flying around she she's
0: up there. <laughs> She, she, she's a rich movie star Maybe she moved up to a satellite Sure And she runs it And knows a lot about astrophysics I don't know about Everything about Sissy SpaceX personal life
1: You know what I'm not gonna lie I don't know everything About Sissy SpaceX Personal life either
0: She's not like a close Personal friend of mine No no no, no, no. You've put, <laughs> you put me in my place sir
1: Sir you've put me in my place I too have to concede That been... Sissy SpaceX might also be an orbiting space station,
0: when she's not she making ev- movies and television. You know, she evolved. Oh yes, <laughs> she turned into a machine, and now she's a spacefaring being.
1: Of course, my apologies. I'm the jerk. Um, this is an incredibly silly film. Uh, yeah, I can tell. At no point does the movie really pretend that it's not, mm. and that's why I don't mind how silly it is. If you're not apologizing, if you're not trying to pretend that you're smart, hmm. I don't care if you're trying to entertain me with silliness, you go for it. Like I love Geostorm. <laughs> Geostorm is a wonderfully entertaining... <laughs> which, of, which is a Dean of, Devlin movie. Uh, Dean Devlin wrote and directed that yeah. one, and I gotta tell you, that movie is a hoot. I think my favorite part of, uh, of that particular film... You, you've seen Geostorm, right? Oh, yes. You understand the glory uh that that is Geostorm. Just
0: uh, prepare for glory yes
1: right. <laughs> uh there's there's uh,
0: Leonidas himself,
1: you know when you 're watching a movie and there's like the movie never says something is going on, but in your head you 've got like another movie that 's going concurrently, okay, yeah, you know? um, the best way to watch Geostorm is if you imagine, and they never mention this out loud in the movie, but nothing in the movie contradicts it. You imagine that Abby Cornish. Her character, she's a, a Secret Service agent yeah. who's in love with Jim Sturgis. If you imagine that Abby Cornish's character is a Terminator who is just learning how to love.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> makes the
1: movie a lot, it makes everything about her character make a lot more sense.
0: Yeah, and the movie is a
1: thousand times she, better. She's
0: like weirdly cold in that She's movie, weirdly yeah. cold. I love her. I don't know what
1: direction Dean Devlin gave her. I have... She's a great actor. I have no idea what direction Dean Devlin gave her in that movie. But she's playing it like a Terminator who is just now, thanks to Jim Sturgis, starting to learn what love means. I love that. <laughs> Moonfall is a profoundly stupid film. Uh, and... Uh, I've heard people argue that they wish it was stupider. That they wish it was even <laughs> more now. ridiculous. Right. But I think the reason why it's it's in this like weird space... Between unbelievably ridiculous to a wonderfully entertaining degree and uh, surprisingly straightforward is because I'm not convinced anyone in this production, anyone whatsoever, knew that this was silly.
0: They're just playing it completely play, They just thought this was neat. Well, if if you play it like a comedy, it falls apart. Yeah, you can't. I mean, there's a way like a, you can do a, like a silly film only reads as silly if it's completely earnest. I, I'm not
1: saying this couldn't be done. I'm not saying that like if Edgar Wright wanted to make a disaster movie, he couldn't find some way to play with it, hmm. the way he played with the zombie genre or the cop genre. Yeah. maybe it could work and still be what it is and be a satire too. Uh, Roland Emmerich is not a self aware filmmaker. He's not poking fun at himself. He takes every story he's telling. He's funny. He has a sense of humor. He knows when things are are are, are, are uh, over the over the top. But he's never really making fun of what he's doing. I think the only time he kind of did was in Godzilla. I think it's one of the reasons why Godzilla didn't connect with anybody. Because it just it felt like it was kind of making fun of Godzilla. It yeah. was like not taking Godzilla seriously. Um, everything else he's done, he's taking it really, really seriously, even if it's over the top. And this is one of those things. So because he's taking it seriously, you're going to get a lot of scenes in the movie, which are played straight. There's not a laugh in there, not even an ironic laugh. Mm. But for me, that makes the silly stuff better. For me, that just makes it all the more absurd. When again, the moon sneaks up on you. (laughs) Like, like, like. Like Jason Voorhees in the woods. Like, I just, that makes it so much more glorious to me. When there's a scene in this movie knock, where... Knock, knock, knock,
0: who's that at the door? Wait a minute, don't
1: answer it. It could be the moon. Holly Berry is working at NASA in this movie, and she's got a boss, and the boss is like, okay, I know what we'll do. We'll send people up to the moon to investigate what's up with all this moon stuff, and that goes horribly wrong. And, uh holly berry says i'm like oh this is everything we were worried ai would do and then it's like what the hell are you talking about and then the guy's just like yeah i don't know what the hell's going on anymore i quit nasa i'm out you're in charge of nasa now do what thou wilt and holly berry's like what should i do and the guy's like i don't know investigate our conspiracy theory files so she goes to this conspiracy building and like Goes inside and looks inside all the conspiracy boxes And who shows up but Donald Sutherland For one scene Of completely (laughs) Deadly serious Like he's the same character he played in JFK Deadly serious Monologue About how the moon is a cover up No one told him this was a joke He's playing it for real Bless Donald Sutherland He's a
0: professional (laughs) He's a
1: professional actor Mm. He does his fucking job but he doesn't he's not treating it like a joke. No one's really treating it like a joke unless a joke is being made. And that's why the laugh-out-loud lines are unbelievably hilarious. That's why the action sequences are very impressively filmed. There's a couple of like wonky effects in here. Mm-hmm. Like the the tidal wave taking out Los Angeles doesn't look great, but like mostly it looks quite good. But like it makes all that stuff just more worth it to me. So, this is not Roland Emmerich's greatest work. <laughs> uh, I would argue that his greatest work is White House Down. Yeah. Uh, I would argue that be, so, slightly beneath that, uh, and and I may be alone on this because I know Universal Soldier is a, is, is plays like Gangbusters, a great film. Uh, Stargate is a lot of fun. It's got problems, but yeah. you know it's kind of neat. Independence Day was a blockbuster for a reason. It's insipid, but it works. For me, his his truly other masterpiece is The Day After Tomorrow. it is so on the nose Mm. in every single fucking way and we laughed at it at the time like oh yeah oh you know climate change is real but this is ridiculous and now we're like looking at like half the planet is on Mm. fire and day after tomorrow doesn't even look that weird anymore yeah I, i feel like we actually owe him an apology for that so this is nowhere near the the top two for me all right but this is fun roland emmerich I hope people see this. It's the kind of movie when you're going to see it at home, you're going to say to yourself, oh, this would have been fun in a theater. And it would have. If, on the other hand, you choose not to, either because of the pandemic or just because of money or whatever, you're still going to enjoy it at home. Make sure you see this at some point. This movie is a very stupid hoot.
0: (laughs) I love stupid hoots. I had a
1: good time watching this very stupid movie. It's harmless, except for the Elon Musk thing, which I don't understand. It's very, very fun. I had a good time. Suppose, I can't wait for you to watch it.
0: Do you suppose uh, Roland Emmerich is like a like he's a tech bro? Like he's trying to get into like blockchain shit. Like yeah, maybe. NFTs or whatever. I mean,
1: he's, he's working on like the cutting edge of like, you know, he's been working on the cutting edge of like cinematic visual effects for so long. You might have like to some interest in that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I actually don't know how much he actually believes in these conspiracy theories. I it's my, I I'm guessing after all the interviews he's done, he probably believes that Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare's yeah. plays. A lot of people don't believe that. I don't get it, There's but lot, I, it's of, it's a popular conspiracy it's, theory. It's
0: um oh, uh, not Francis Bacon. Who who was it in anonymous? Oh, it's it was, uh, 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 the
1: uh, Earl of Devere. It was Devere. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, hold on. It's I think not remember the guy's name. Um uh, something something Devere.
0: No, some, some earl did it. Um, yeah. Who's usually not even one of the first the, It was the Earl of Oxford. Oh, was Oxfordian, okay. Yeah, yeah
1: it was, there was an Oxfordian fellow.
0: Uh, yeah, that's the, the conspiracy theorists. They call themselves the Oxfordians. Um, yeah. Well, that
1: particular uh, who school that, of thought you yeah, believe that Earl of Oxford that, did that it. That yeah. the
0: Earl of Oxford. Um, there's also people who believe that Christopher Marlowe wrote them or that Francis Bacon wrote them, etc., yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Those tend to be the big three. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion that Shakespeare... Yeah. Wrote the films, or wrote the films, <laughs> wrote the plays, uh, attributed to Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I think that... I've never seen any meaningful evidence of the contrary, mm-hmm. other than a general disbelief that a poor person couldn't have done it.
0: Yeah, I, I do... Because he works with such, like, big productions, it's entirely possible that he is... Maybe not to, like, a Randian degree, but somebody who is okay with the idea of wealth. Like, he doesn't mm. see the wealthy as villains. Mm. Wealthy people typically aren't depicted as villains in his movies. Uh, mm, yeah. Politicians Conservative are. Conservative politicians yeah. usually are. mongers uh, often are. Yeah, I know I know he's, like, way off to the left, if White House Town wasn't oh, yeah. a, a pretty clear indicator of that. He's, right. Uh, yeah, also a, a gay man, so he's uh, mm. you know a- active in uh, like gay charities and that sort of mm. thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really know what his operational
1: ethos I would, is if I interviewed I've, I interviewed Roland Emmerich like once before was so a White House style, and only had a couple of minutes if I had like a real sit-down interview with Roland Emmerich you gave me like half an hour an hour mm. that's what I want to talk about this is the through line of your of your career mm. not every film hits it but most of them do conspiracy theories
0: yeah
1: which ones which ones do you actually believe which ones are you just or, entertaining or the, for fun? Or are these just like what-if scenario? Is it just, it was, is it just yeah. a what-if scenario and you think it's fun and it's a formula? And if it's a formula, great. Let's talk about that formula and how that works. Uh, and whether or not that has maybe any impact on like the idea that we should take conspiracy theories seriously. Uh, or just ignore, or, or mm-hmm. do you actually believe any of this stuff? Oh. I'd be very curious if he did. Maybe he'll leave some and not others. I don't know. That's what fascinates me, and that's kind of why I want to know more most about his career. But anyway, I digress. Um, let's move on and let's talk about uh, a very different film.
0: Well, I'm, I mean, there's nothing like Moon, nothing else like Moonfall this week, is there? No.
1: And by the way, we apologize. Neither of us saw Jackass. I know a lot of people are seeing Jackass. Uh, yeah. Um, Neither of us got a chance to see. It's Jackass. been
0: getting weirdly like glowing reviews. The newest Jackass. I, I film. feel it's like the fourth, third, fourth. Um... <sighs> I think it's the fourth film. Um, it's, it's, I, I haven't seen any of the Jackass films. I've only uh, seen the TV it's, show. It's been and yeah, I never saw the TV show. Either. I saw the TV so show. Th- this is something out of my I, wheelhouse. I
1: don't have the I don't have the uh, nostalgic uh, connection to it because I was never that into it in the first place. Uh, I know a lot of people who really love the movies. That's fine. I never really got into them. Uh, at some point, I guess I'll watch them, but mm-hmm. it's not. It will not be this day. I, I and I don't. A... I don't know if my opinion is particularly useful. Based on my lack of knowledge, considering it seems as though most people are connecting to this as uh, the gangs back together again, which uh, won't have um, any impact on me because I don't have
0: that mm -hmm. connection to them. Um, I did read a really wonderful essay in the LA Weekly a a long time ago. I think it might have been Karina Longworth Mm -hmm. uh, about sort of how important the jackass films are in terms of purity of cinema And the idea of ecstatic truth, Mm -hmm. the thing that you cannot fake on camera. Yeah. This idea of these guys, you know, let's climb to the top of a tree and then chainsaw it down. And what are you going to do when the tree falls? Well, I'm going to get hurt. Okay. Let's watch that. Yeah. There's a certain
1: cinematic brilliance to the idea.
0: Yeah. Like the, the fear and the pain is not a stunt. It's not a Hollywood anything. It's just somebody who's actually afraid and they're doing it for your entertainment. And there's a weird integrity to that. Um, but that's all I can really comment on. Yeah, just sort of jackass as a concept. Um, yeah, so, I can comment on films I've seen, and uh, one film I've seen. I'm guessing you're going to uh, the Joachim Trier movie. Yeah, there's a new film by Joachim Trier yeah. called The Worst
1: Person in the World, which I'm going to say it right or, now. Or it
0: might be Joachim. It might be Joachim because uh, he's he's a Norwegian director, I believe. No, I don't think he is. Yeah, He was born in. Uh, he, he did Oslo August 31 okay. uh, louder than bombs. Uh, he was born in Copenhagen, so he's Danish.
1: Okay, so that's that yeah, was right. why I thought. Okay, there you go. I'm not I'm not I'm not crazy. Right.
0: Um
1: in any case, uh he's a celebrated uh, uh filmmaker and his latest film is called The Worst Person in the World. Uh, and uh it is a title that is basically is uh, uh setting you up a little bit, I think. Because it's it's suggesting that uh, you're going to judge this person a lot more harshly than you actually are.
0: I think what's what's going on here is we see uh, the the main character her name is Yuli, and she's mm-hmm. played by uh, an actress named Renate Reinsve.
1: Mm-hmm. We apologize for pronouncing um, that wrong.
0: And she, it it's essentially a film about how uh, as as a young person she's uh, the it covers uh, several years of her life from like. Mm-hmm. Uh, early like 20s from to early co- 30s College years, yeah, to about the age 30 And essentially how throughout your 20s You make a series of really horrible decisions
1: Yeah, and these aren't like horrible Like people are gonna die I'm ruining everything yeah, I'm, I'm a, not, I'm like a horrible like human being Robbing a bank no. or DRT. It's... it's just your decisions are based off of You not knowing what you want hmm. uh, Not knowing what the consequences will be Of the decisions that you make uh, And as you try to figure out Your path in the world, what you want to do career wise what kind of person you were looking for in a relationship uh you cannot help but hurt some people along the way, right. and uh, it's just impossible. Like you're, it's just you're, that's your yeah, impact. The, At some the, point, you're going to be the bad guy.
0: The title is playing off of uh, the kind of guilt we feel after the fact yeah. that we made these bad decisions. We know that we hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't say and, bad. I think it's tough
1: go. decisions. You know, just like or, or, just, or there's delib- no good...
0: or deliberately mean because mm-hmm. you're in that kind of a mood in that part of your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think yeah, the, the title refers to sort of retroactive guilt. Also that. Um, and I'm not going to reveal what it is, but something happens to the main character late in the film, yeah. which uh, in maybe an American film or a different kind of film mm. would be considered a, a horrendous tragedy. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very positive for her. So that's another way. It's actually very eye-opening. Yeah, it kind of uh, plays into the title as well. Agreed. Um I really like this movie. It's movie's amazing. Uh Because of how frank it is about the main character. Mm -hmm. And it never, it never turns her into a hero. Never turns her into a villain either. But we never lose our sympathy for her. We understand why she makes the decisions she does. Mm. We understand that they're bad decisions. And if Mm. you've lived through your 20s, you recognize a lot of that stuff. Again, I hesitate to call them bad decisions. It's just, this is what she decided to do.
1: And the movie is understanding enough about the complexities of life and the impact of what we do on other people Hmm. that there are good effects and bad effects that come of this. They're just decisions that there's no perfect decision. There's nothing that some of them are more selfish than others.
0: Yeah. But sometimes the more selfish decisions are better in the long run for everybody. I there's but you know while she's going along it's she's hurting people no. like kind of deliberately there's a uh, an mm. entire portion of this movie where she goes she's uh, dating a comic book artist who mm. she she already left uh, her current boyfriend to date this comic book artist and they've
1: moved in together and, yeah, they're pretty so, good together and she goes yeah.
0: to a party and starts flirting with this other guy and they clearly want to sleep together this and incredible there's this really long sequence in the movie oh. where they are clearly very attracted to each other uh-huh. uh, might be falling in love but more more, more than anything, it's just really lustful. And, yeah, it's uh, this great
1: bit they just, And they're, they're trying they, to
0: figure out what can we do physically that isn't that cheating. That not isn't technically cheating. Yeah. And they're doing things like like taking drags on cigarettes and blowing the smoke into each other's mouths. Like yeah. that's ah. really intimate. Uh is that cheating? And they say, No, yeah. that doesn't count. They're, and, they're
1: spending the whole night together yeah. just seeing how intimate they can be without officially crossing a line. Right. That what means if, she uh, can't go back to her boyfriend. What
0: if what if we what if we like pee in front of each other like that's a really intimate thing as well but that's not that's also not it's
1: also not erotic really they're just doing it like it's there's something about that whole there's wonderful bits in this movie that on their own could be like academy award-winning short films Uh but they all connect really really beautifully that whole section is just incredibly sexy Mm -hmm. that whole bit it's just it's a thing that you encounter at some point in your life if you're lucky where you meet someone and very quickly you're just really into each other and you have a story together yeah. Real, for maybe it's a short period of time. Maybe not. There's this incredible sequence where after she goes back to her boyfriend and she's not really happy, but also they're not unhappy either. It's just a relationship. And she's realizing that I'm in my twenties and this isn't really what I want right now. Mm. And that's going to make her the bad guy. If she ever decides to break up with him, there's a fantasy sequence in that mm. bit, which is very magical realism where all of a sudden what she wants becomes very clear to her in a very visually innovative way. That whole bit is beautifully brilliant. (laughs) That whole bit, that made my heart soar. That whole bit's amazing. I
0: I saw that as an incredibly cynical sequence. Oh, really? I saw that as a really beautiful Where she was, you know, deliberately abandoning something to go live in this sort of, like, Idealized film fantasy version of mm. something that was actually ultimately very harmful. No,
1: see, for me that and that, mm. that that's great because mm. I think that's a that's a perfectly valid take on it. But mm. for me, that sequence was after years, months or years. It's hard to say exactly exactly how long it's been taking place, but after a long period of time of being in this relationship and just being just sort of, you know, at like oh. sixty <laughs> percent, you know, like not bad enough. You need to break up, but this isn't this isn't making me happy. And like denying the fact that she had this wonderful experience with another guy, and denying that this has like been sort of living in the back of her head that this experience is possible. Ergo, my current relationship might not be the one for me. It's a moment of pure clarity, Mm. and and if she decides to act on it, it will hurt the other guy. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe in the long run, it might not be the best thing for everybody. But it's her realizing this is what I want. And on that level on a, if if only on a is is uh what, what's what's that line is there in truth no beauty yeah uh, be, be, truth is beauty beauty is truth yeah. um at the very least the truth of it is beautiful All the right. self awareness is beautiful that for me is what
0: i got from. Right. Um, no i i think this film um doesn't really ever want to side with her in that kind of way i feel uh it doesn't side with her i don't think it's it's just understanding her well it understands her but i don't think it's really trying to uh necessarily pass any kind of judgment on this main character and that's that's why i like this movie so much is that it shows somebody who is having a lot of um formative growth experiences yeah and Mm -hmm. there's there's something a and, you know, this is, as somebody who's, I'm in my early 40s, yeah. uh, sort of the perspective you get on your 20s after after the fact. Uh, it yeah. was, uh, I, I think it was Alonso Duralde who oh, said, yeah. <laughs> you spend uh, you spend your 20s uh, embarrassed of your teen years, and you spend your 30s being embarrassed of your 20s. And then you spend
1: and your 40s being 40s embarrassed, embarrassed of your 30s uh, well, and so uh, et, I think cetera, it just keeps going uh, And boy is that but, uh, Boy that is one of the Best pieces of advice So uh, I've heard in my whole life Because boy is that true I, And I, I was even reminded <laughs> so of a, so much I've ever done In my life uh,
0: Robert Eggers uh, If you ever read Robert Eggers book uh, Heart, mm-hmm. Heartbreaking work Of staggering genius Which is an autobiography Okay that, um, I I'm going to bring it up later because it's one of the movies I'm talking about also bears some resemblance. But in the introduction, he says, uh, I apologize for writing this book because it's about people in their 20s. Uh,
1: Dave Eggers, Robert Eggers, directed Oh, excuse me, Wicks. you're right, Dave Eggers. That was driving me nuts. I was like, Robert Eggers? Apologies. Okay, yeah, yeah, Dave Eggers,
0: the author who wrote a heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius. Yeah, different guys. But in the intro, he says, I apologize for this book because this, I wrote it about people in their 20s, and as we all know, that those people are awful. And I read it in my 20s. So uh, it's like, wait a minute, well, we're awful? No, we've got everything figured out, man. We're adults yeah. making decisions. Yeah, you're making shit decisions. You're making very shitty and, decisions uh, for the most part. And uh, that's what I like about this movie. It's about yeah. this young woman who is making a lot of really shitty decisions mm. who are harmful to others and, you know, based mm. on really rash uh, reasoning. But at the same time, it's very real. Yeah. And that's something that we can all kind of relate to, especially if we survive our 20s and we yeah. have some, get, gain some perspective on it and I really do uh, free, and I don't want know. me to, to condescend to any of our listeners who are in their 20s no no no, no. but, but...
1: This, this is actually but this is a fair point I feel and it's something that I, as I grow older you know I, I'm turning 40 in like a month mm-hmm. and like I I have the saying, oh, you, I, was, I know you, you spring lamb I ha- I have hang ups about getting older mm-hmm. I had hang ups about get, turning 30 I had hang ups about all this kind of stuff I'm finally listen I'm gonna leave my my, my mid 30s finally mm-hmm. I'm gonna be in my early 40s until about 19 well I'm about 44 um I, I have hang about getting older, but what I like about getting older, and it, sometimes it leads to a lot of embarrassment and sort of humility and shame over the kind of things that I've done or believed mm-hmm. or mistakes that I've made in the past, but I like being wiser. Mm-hmm. That's a great feeling, is to have at least some sense that I know more than I used to, and then I know that in 10 years I'll be embarrassed by how little I know now.
0: Yeah, a, but like, I, so, at least I know so, now. Socratic wisdom, as they say. This is about uh, somebody who... Yeah uh is still acquiring wisdom and i think by the end when uh there's a moment and again i don't want to say what happens but Mm. there's a moment where she faces mortality yeah uh, very directly uh that that death becomes a part of her experience um i'm not gonna say how yeah yeah. but uh that gives her a like some actual humility yeah and you it's in those moments where she realizes she's actually having growth experiences Mm. rather than kind of deliberately or recklessly making bad decisions mm-hmm. and chalking that up to growth experience. And this is why I honestly
1: think this is one of the best movies I've ever seen about being in your 20s. Okay, yeah,
0: and yeah. That's, that's fair.
1: I do, and, and, and not every movie in which people are in their 20s is about being in your 20s. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about movies that are about the experience of being a young adult on your own for the first time, experiencing the world, This film understands what it's like to be in that moment, but it is coming from a place of the story is clearly being told by a filmmaker who's older than that Hmm. and who understands the greater context of this without losing the insight of what it's actually like to be there in the moment. Wisdom. I was kind of leading up to this earlier. uh, Wisdom by definition always comes too late.
0: <laughs> it has to. It, it has to. Otherwise, comes, you wouldn't. It, com- it comes after the fact. That's yeah. what it means. Otherwise,
1: it's just advice. <laughs> you know, people tell you things like, you know, let's say the early bird gets the worm. And then you say to yourself, okay, I to thank you. And then you actually experience something in your life where you put something off. And then as a result, there's an actual consequence. You'll never get that because you didn't strike while well, the iron is hot. Uh, now you've learned through personal experience the importance of taking action when action is needed this is just Mm. hypothetical just throwing it out there now you know that through personal experience that is wisdom Mm. wisdom is earned this is a movie about gradually acquiring wisdom and all of the mistakes you have to make along the way in order to get there and she's still not you know a sage like at the end of this Mm. she's just not in her 20s anymore and she's starting, she's starting to get her shit together. Yeah, That's where the movie basically leaves us, is starting to get her shit together. I, I would lo- I would be thrilled if this turned into Trier's like, Apu trilogy or Antoine Duenelle <laughs> series. I would be thrilled in 10 years to visit this person in their 30s and yeah, in 10 years and, to visit the oh, person and, in their 40s. And, and
0: jo- Trier's mm-hmm. perspective on... Because uh, I, I I just looked him up he's in his late 40s yeah he's not that old so he's, so he's got he's, time yeah he's, and, he can grow with the character and give you know, a little bit more perspective and
1: the, and Reinsva, who's mm. who stars in this and this is someone who is as my understanding she was on the verge of quitting acting oh, wow, uh, she, okay. she'd been like a, she had been like one small role in one of Trier's films and he just came to her and said I'm thinking about making a movie and kind of building it around you and they started mm. talking about her experiences and kind of built it around together it sounds like a bit of a collaborative storytelling thing I would love to see them work together That'd be great. She is she is astoundingly good in this movie. This is uh, the star making turn if ever I've seen one. Mm-hmm. Hollywood's gonna come knocking. I hope they, 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 don't, don't, they, they
0: don't, don't put her in a superhero costume. I hope, happen, I hope they uh,
1: don't do what they did to Nomi Rapaz, which is bring her over, try to do a couple of big, stupid blockbusters with them, mm. and then decide, eh, we don't know what to do with them, and then just kick them aside. There, like you, I you hope they just, actually Sherlock like...
0: Sherlock Holmes, alien, no? Okay, no. bye. Yeah, they
1: just, they, okay. It, it never really worked out. And she's a brilliant actor. I love Nomi Rapaz. Yeah. Hollywood didn't do right by her. I hope that she attracts the attention of great storytellers, who have some sense of what to do with how talented oh. she is
0: or she can just continue you know, she's norwegian just stay in norway well she, like, i, mean, I, I together, said yeah. great
1: storytellers i didn't say from where yeah okay. i just hoped i would like to see her in more things if she wants to quit and continue i think she's going to be like a carpenter or something like <laughs> whatever like if she wants to quit and do whatever she wants to do knock yourself out be happy yeah, but I would, uh, I would love to see you in more things because you're super talented
0: I, I would put this uh in like a uh, triple feature with mm. uh, Francis Ha and Metropolitan. Oh, that's, good, that's uh, good. Other uh, other films about sort of mm. smart people who are just have no wisdom whatsoever. Yeah, they're smarter than they are wise. Uh, yeah, that's and, good. That's, and, a good, that's a good one. Oh, uh, it, it's. But it doesn't have the kind of uh it's a little slightly more sardonic than those movies. It doesn't mm. have the sense of whimsy as something like Francis Ha. Yeah. Uh but I think it is about this notion of coming to the end of your young adulthood. Yeah the sort of uh second adolescence that uh which is mm. pretty sharply experienced by this generation in particular, but by most people in their twenties yeah.
1: throughout history. I think it's weird to think about like when Americans started treating your twenties as yet another era in which to come of age. Yeah. That's when we started getting like Judd Apatow movies. And we started Mm -hmm. getting like, well, the 40 year old version is about 40 year olds, but like, we started getting stuff like knocked up.
0: Yeah. These, these uh, people in their uh, like mid to late twenties, early thirties who are only now starting to become adults. Uh,
1: When Trier does it, we, we get like the new, the 400 blows. That's (laughs) that's, that's a very different, it's a much different. This is a, this is an exceptional motion picture please see this movie it's so damn good i think you're really gonna get a lot out of it it's a beautiful film. Yeah. it's funny it's sexy it's very sad but in a way that's not like exploitatively sad like we're gonna make you cry damn it. it's like no it earns it it's, it's just life it's really beautiful yeah. uh, but it's really excellent i'm so glad i saw it um why don't you tell me uh-huh about uh,
0: uh something else
1: Okay. What do you want to talk about?
0: Uh, did you want to hear about Slapface, or do you want to hear about Polystyrene? I want to
1: hear about whatever you want to talk about. Okay, next
0: um, let's talk about Polystyrene. Okay, um, Polystyrene is um, one a uh, seminal punk rocker. Okay, she was uh, the uh, front woman for the X Ray for X Ray Specs band. X-ray, uh, spelled on the X Ray spelled with X. X Ray Specs mm-hmm. uh, and. She was an unconventional figure even in the punk circuit. Uh, she had a very interesting look. Mm. Uh, she's black, which was unusual for uh, somebody who led a punk band. There weren't a lot of uh, black punk bands out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Certainly
1: not well-known in the mainstream, yeah. No, no, no.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and she always uh, was very uh, aggressively determined to sort of create her own style. So she actually... Like, w- dressed out of, uh, like, thrift shops. She looked like, uh, you know, an extra in a John Waters film. She was on, like, these bright pink jumpers and giant shoes. And, uh, yeah, she and the X-Ray Specs. Uh, you probably heard some of their songs in movies. Um, oh, Bondage Up Yours is one of their bigger hits. Okay. Um, the Day the World Turned glow is another one of their big hits. They played, I think The Day the World Turned Glow played over the credits to um, uh, Fast Color, that superhero. Oh, they they okay. talk, they talk a lot about x-ray specs in the movie at fast color. Um, I love x-ray specs. I have okay. a retrospective album of theirs. I've, you know, looked into Polystyrene. They're, and they're one
1: of those bands who I'm not entirely sure if I know them or not. Like I don't follow uh, music as closely as you do. I if you maybe played some of their
0: music, I go, "Oh yeah." I, I'm I'm not but I, too, I don't know them off the top of my head. I'm no rock historian. I'm you know, yeah. I'm not a you know, deep cut punk guy, but I do I, like punk I, I, uh, I, you know, I concede that you know more about especially that era of pop music or popular music than I do. Yeah, I I yeah. Uh, they they say that when you turn 33 that's the like the average age you stop paying attention to new music yeah. they've done like polls on this sort of thing there's figures on it and uh yeah when i was in sort of like my mid 30s i started looking back and getting yeah. into sort of a lot of more interesting punk acts and that's when i discovered x ray backs uh funny for me it's kind of the opposite like i started like getting <laughs> kind of fascinated like I, I was like i remember the first like
1: time i was like listening to the radio i'm like for like the last 5 songs i have no idea what the fuck is going on mm. and i got really interested like Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> I get to explore like It's like being Indiana Jones But the archaeology is now like, so, I think there, it's kind there, of there was interesting a, actually What's going on in music I, right I now I did
0: go through a bad breakup in my 20s And I started yeah. listening to like The like simplest dumbest bubblegum pop Like yeah. you played on Radio Disney Like I can't. So uh, <laughs> all of a sudden I know about Bewitched and the A-teens And Elm, spelled L-M-N-T Who left the toys out ooh, Oh my god ooh, it was so ooh. fucking embarrassing <laughs> The Disney rendition of Mambo Number Five, like no, I didn't even
1: heard that. What yeah, do they do?
0: Uh, they, they rather than like <sighs> an, list Angela all the Cassandra, with, and, yeah. and Cassandra and Rita, it's like Mickey and Minnie and Daisy and uh, Donald. Oh, and, you know, oh no! Yeah, it's it's that's it, adorable. It's pretty bad. sick. That's um, so not good. Cool. Anyway, but back to X-Ray Specs. X-Ray uh, Specs, wonderfully uh, you know, hard-edged punk uh, act, and polystyrene was sort of the. It was her brainchild. She really likes uh, sort of pushing the whole band. and uh, this movie about polystyrene mm. is uh, a biography that is directed and narrated by Celeste Bell, her daughter oh. And she doesn't have a very rosy view of her mother because uh polystyrene uh, a was you know a punk rocker weirdly distant, kind of a workaholic and also suffering from some pretty horrible mental illnesses. Oh dear. Um, and in fact, polystyrene was at one point in her life committed to an institution. Uh, polystyrene believed, uh, in, in a very Holden Caulfield sort of way, uh, to look out for phonies and phoniness. Um, in fact, that's why where she got her name, polystyrene, something yeah. kind of plastic. She's kind of satirizing this idea of plastic people. And uh, she's looking around in, in England and seeing sort of uh, consumer culture taking over in the, the early 1980s and sort of feeling very critical of it, that people are getting a little too artificial. And so she wrote a lot of songs along those lines. Uh, X-Ray Specs had a very interesting sound uh, in that her voice... Like, she could just trumpet through walls. She had this mm. really wonderful voice. And uh, they also added, like, really wild saxophones and these little kind of, like, jazz notes to punk rock. So it had a really interesting sound to it. And uh, as she sort of started to take over the punk scene and actually gain fame, uh, she became a lot more uncomfortable. With, uh, these things that she was really wary of, this sort of phoniness and, uh, sort of started rejecting the world and, uh, in, in bigger and bigger ways as she became more famous. And, Mm. you know, there's a lot of interviews with her throughout this film about how she's trying to just say, no, I just, I think everything's kind of phony. And, uh, there, uh, her daughter tells a story about how she was at a party with Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols Mm. and how, uh, a big part of the punk ethos is just fuck everything, right? It's right. tear everything down, attack all systems. Just, you know, yeah. it's all nihilism and anarchy. And so a lot of the punk scene, a lot of the people who are in it were just fuck everybody kind of people. Yeah. And they were just sort of generally pretty rude and very antagonistic. And evidently, yeah. uh, the story of polystyrene is at a party with Johnny Rotten. Everybody's just being a complete dick to everybody else. And, um, it was at this party where she excused herself. She went into the bathroom and she came out with a shaved head. She's like, this was sort of like her big uh, sort of defying, defying moment. Yeah. Just like, I can't, she couldn't really stand it anymore. And shortly thereafter she was committed okay uh, into an institution and uh, told through her daughter's eyes. She saw that she was really devoted to the music, but she didn't like the scene, but both of those things kind of went hand in hand and yeah. that kind of made her crack after a while. And it wasn't until many, many years later after, uh, her daughter was grown, was an adolescent yeah. and she was doing like sort of tours again. She was back on stage and like sort of a reunited X-ray specs and she got to sing with her daughter that her daughter kind of had started having pleasant memories of her mom and, uh, polystyrene ended up dying of breast cancer at a pretty young age. Yeah. Uh, f- fascinating human being, polystyrene, yeah. uh, fascinating band, X-Ray Specs. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the more important uh, punk bands to come out of England. And, you know, a a good expose as to how the punk ethos is a destructive one. Yeah, I was about to say. By by design it is, like, there was a a biographical film, a fictional film, about Darby Crash from the Germs. It's called What We Do Is Secret. I remember um, that kind of, yeah. uh, And... Oh, who played Darby Crash in that? It was somebody notable who played Darby Crash. But okay. um, that was about how... Uh, there, there was also the film Control, the Anton Corbin movie, which is about um, uh, Ian Curtis from Joy Division. Mm. And those films are about how uh, you know punk is ultimately very self-destructive. Sid and Nancy is another example. Yeah. Uh, oh, I the, can see
1: why you forgot who it was. It was Shane West who played Darby Crash.
0: She, yeah, he, he's some guy, isn't he? He was briefly a thing. That's yeah. He yeah. was, was going to be a thing. And he played Darby crash. Yeah. It never, it never quite did, kicked Derby off for him. Like um, it was
1: like, did some like, I think it was like a hit TV show and the like, movie career. Never quite. kicked you know,
0: But I, I, ad, I admire the, just the, the, the passion and mm. the outrage and the hate that goes into making punk rock. And yep. of course, if you're doing it right, you die. That's why there aren't a lot of old punk rockers. Uh, watch watch the film SLC punk at some point. There, that's, yeah. you know, Talked a lot about that. Yeah. Remember when um, we used to have... Um, I, think
1: it was, I don't remember what station it was. We used to have a lunchtime rock show on LA Radio called Jonesy's Jukebox. Oh, yeah. yeah it was yeah. one of the guys from the Sex Pistols, wasn't it? Uh, oh, I uh, who was Jonesy? Jonesy was... I, um,
0: I, but oh, yeah, I, I know Jonesy's Jukebox. Yeah,
1: so. yeah but he was, he, was, he was an old... He was an aging punk rocker, and it was mm. just kind of like... All that Jonesy's Jukebox. That's <laughs> his... Here's where we're yeah, no. It was on KLOS. Uh YouTube. <laughs> you just looking it up. I don't know. Yeah. What? But, be, uh, I get positive, but that'd be boring. It was yeah, Steve but Jones.
0: Steve. He was, okay. he was the charge of the Sex whistle. He was from, in charge the of the Sex pistols. Pistols. Yeah. Yeah. pistols.
1: There uh, you go. But anyway, he was, he, he actually survived.
0: Yeah. No, no, and so, he, and my point yeah, is some, that Jonesy YouTube. Yeah.
1: Jonesy He was adding, even though he had great taste in music, it was a wonderful show. Always. I listen to it all the time. Uh, he was so chill there's something about <laughs> it's it like i did all my living in the 80s and now hmm. i'm just going to talk real slow and quiet i'm just here in my chair you want to you wanna yeah. listen to some music to yeah. listen to some tunes like yeah. he was super chill yeah. he lived he, he all of his living done in the 80s <laughs> and now he's just got no energy left and there's something really kind of calming and reassuring about that it's like when you watch right. Ozzy Osbourne on the Osbournes. it's just like He's, you kind of burned tea. out, didn't he's you?
0: Figured it out. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's so done a lot now. left. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you want a drink? Look, I drained London once. I don't I don't want to drink anymore. Have so this uh, Pepsi, thank you. See, <laughs> so I, I I think this but you know, the the devotion and the actual, you know, punk ethos, the, the hatred of systems yeah. and the devotion to tearing them all down in this anarchistic, mm. uh, violent, angry sort of way is something that's very relatable. And I think yeah. it's a uh, uh, I don't want to call it admirable, but it's a relatable thing that we can all understand. Yeah. This sort of you know, civilization has discontents. This is the music of the discontents. Right. And uh, Polly uh wanted to point that out in an artistic way, but because she was part of the punk scene, she was kind of being dragged down a little bit by a lot of the ethos around her, even though she was a lot more content to Retired to a normal life when she wasn't on stage. Yeah, and uh, her daughter talks about how you know they went shopping a lot, and people would sort of come up to her and say, "Oh, you're so wonderful," and she was a, a little bit uncomfortable with that. Yeah, she that's, just, that, uh, that's, that's I mean. my
1: art. Here's my life. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: at one point during that same party, she talked about, "I just I want to go back to who I, I don't want to be polystyrene anymore. I want yeah. to go just go back to being who I was." Like yeah. she actually wanted to live a bit of a normal life and had a lot of trouble with that. Yeah. And that sort of reflected badly on her role as a mother. So her daughter is talking about how okay. she didn't do so good a job at that. You know, very frankly about it. Wow. Uh, this one's, uh, on like on demand. It's okay. in certain theaters in LA, but yeah, you can just rent this on demand for a couple bucks. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you're interested in punk rock and you don't know x-ray specs, I highly encourage you okay. just because it's a wonderful period of music. It's a period of music. I'm really keen on, um, I just love girl punk bands as well. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think like my, my weirdly, my gateway was like playing a uh, guitar hero. Like they had a really? few, a few like, uh, like Older. New, 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 no newer, like newer pop punk sort oh, of stuff. Okay. So, like, Oh, this is fun. Where did this stuff come from? And I started like yeah. sort of going into the past and cool. finding a lot more punk bands that I was a lot more. So now okay. I have like germs records and dead Kennedys and X-ray, Thanks, guitar hero. X-ray specs as well. And you did good X-ray specs and X, um, uh, you know, that sort of punk, post-punk, and new wave bubble is, is all really fascinating because there was a lot of experimentation, a lot of uh, rage and philosophy just sort of being bandied about. Uh, you know, big fan of Devo as well, which mm-hmm. sort of spans everything. Uh, and yeah, X-Ray Specs is is just really, really fascinating. And it's interesting to get such an intimate, sort of frank, warts-and-all portrait of polystyrene. Cool.
1: All right. I have no good segue Uh, Between that and my next film. Uh, My next film is a low-budget horror movie, currently I think in some theaters and on VOD.
0: I'll have one of those too, so Mm -hmm. we can at least link those two together.
1: (laughs) Yay! Uh, It's called Alone With You, uh, and it is a low-budget horror thriller about someone trapped in their apartment. Uh, and,
0: Gee, I wonder where they got the idea for that Well
1: <laughs> It's my understanding that it was uh, 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 Made during the COVID era um, and uh, But it's also You know, we look at like COVID forced a lot of people To get creative, you know, we saw that great um, Horror movie Host hmm. uh, Which was basically about a haunted Zoom call uh, which very clever movie. It works. I like, I like that it's a lot. great straightforward horror movie that acknowledges the realities of the time, uh, while telling a universally just at any era, this will be solid, scary story. That movie is, is quite exceptional. Um, but, uh, the idea of we are on a budget people. What can we do? <laughs> How can we make a movie with very limited resources? that dates back as far back as filmmaking goes Hmm. trying to do what you can with what you have and a lot of low budget horror movies have been produced along these methods uh they're not always this confined but some of them are Uh, paranormal activity was basically let's get some cameras in a house uh something like repulsion you know that's basically just someone losing their mind in a house Hmm. it's considered one of the scariest movies ever made Uh, the director is a piece of shit but the movie is well-respected. Uh, something like Carnival of Souls, very cheap. Night of the Living oh, yeah. Dead, very fucking cheap. Cheapness is not a problem no. unless you feel like it's holding the movie back. Unless you're like, there's something wrong that money could have solved. Yeah,
0: I, I feel... Um, I, I... I feel like, yeah, Don Coscarelli. Like, he makes big horror movie ideas mm. but never has the budget to match them. Yeah. Whereas something like Paranormal Activity... That works really well You don't need
1: any more Paranormal Activity Didn't need any more money Than it had It would not have been
0: That's a pretty darn good movie You throw another
1: $500,000 to that movie The movie doesn't get better Hmm. The movie is just Might have been different Might have had more Production design Or more visual effects But the movie would not Have been better It just would have been More expensive uh but yeah, one one could look at something like John dies at the end and you realize that like, yeah, if Don had a little bit more money, that might have been a little stronger of a film. <laughs> like, like another
0: ten million yeah have like, <laughs> <an> ambi- <laughs> done a lot with It's really
1: a bit more ambitious than it actually can can pull out. Yeah, still mul- a great movie though.
0: Multi-dimensional monster yeah, movie. Still a
1: great movie, but like if they'd been able to imagine to, to visualize what he was really imagining, good could McCuller. Um Along With You, uh was written and directed uh, by Emily Bennett and Justin Brooks. Emily Bennett also stars in the film uh, as a woman who is in a relationship with a photographer. Uh, she is at home alone. Her photographer girlfriend is out on a business trip and she's waiting for her to come home so they can celebrate, be together, uh, be romantic. And we're mm-hmm. fi- basically, aside from a couple of flashbacks to them like at a beach, we're pretty much alone in the apartment with Emily Bennett. It's night night. One of her friends is FaceTiming her from a, from a bar, yeah. saying, "Come on out and hang out with me. I'm seeing. I, I never see you anymore. Uh, you've, you're in this really codependent relationship, and it's like really dragging you down. And I regret ever introducing the two of you. Would you please come out and like yeah. actually live a life with me?" And she says, "No, no, my girlfriend's coming. I gotta just hang out here." And she just starts wandering around an apartment with a somewhat confusing space. Uh, which I'm sure is at least partly by design, so okay. that you can get, so that it feels a little labyrinthine, even though it's clearly an apartment. Um, which can also be,
0: you know, bad sense of spatial continuity. It
1: can. Here they're clearly trying to make it like a little bit scary, like you're never like entirely sure, All right. just how giant, it, just how trapped she really is. Not, I think that part works fine. There's a couple of little distinct elements in the apartment that are kind of creepy. Uh, her girlfriend has a series of mannequins. Like in her studio that are covered up in tarp. That's not terrifying. That's not creepy at all. Uh, There is a uh, a uh, a vent, an air vent through which she can kind of hear what's going on next door, and what's going on next door seems a little upsetting, and we're not sure how to deal with that. But the real kicker is when her mom calls her. Her mom is played by Barbara Crampton. Always a pleasure Aww. to see Barbara Crampton. Yay! <laughs> yeah, just an absolute horror icon, Barbara Crampton. Mm-hmm. Never never gets a bad performance. Um,
0: you still haven't seen Jacob's Wife. Have I still haven't seen Jacob's
1: Wife, uh, I, but I, I know of her... I've seen many other films she's been in, and she's, she's one of my favorites. Um, her mom calls and says, Hey, uh something very upsetting. Your grandmother died. I was wondering if you could, she gave you a necklace that I'd like to bury with her. I was wondering if you could find it for me. Oh my, okay. This leads to a, a series of conversations where just conversation devolves with her mom and they start yelling at each other. And it's while she's yelling at her mom in the middle of the night that she realizes that she can see outside her mom's window and it's the middle of the day and they live in the same time zone. Oh,
0: that's a little odd.
1: That's a very creepy okay. setup. That's a it's, nice it's,
0: that's like a nice little Blair Witch a, moment. Yeah, and it's way. like it's yeah. like if
1: you're kind of paying attention, you can pick up on it before her. And I'm like, okay, alright. This is creepy. This is super creepy. And then she realizes she tries to like look outside and she realizes that there's like some kind of tarp covering all of her windows and she can't like reach it all right so like she doesn't know what the hell's going on and so reality her front is, door is
0: rent asunder her reality yeah, is yeah.
1: starting to rent asunder and also her front door is locked and she can't open it and she starts trying to call people to try to help her uh, uh open the door and no one does she calls her her landlord nothing mm-hmm. doing she calls her friend at the bar could you come in and help me open this door friend at the bar isn't being very helpful she calls 911 911 doesn't seem to think it's much of an emergency, but they say fine, we'll send, we'll send someone. Hours go by. She calls 911 again. 911. Not only do they say the same thing, but after she has the conversation with them, the th- exact same thing that they said. They start saying it again and it seems like it's a recording. Wow. Like, there's a
0: lot of really cool, okay.
1: creepy moments in Ooh, this. I
0: like that. Okay. There's a lot
1: of cool, creepy setups and moments in here where, like, conceptually, I'm like, ooh, okay. Huh. This would give me goosebumps. This is kind of uh, eerie. Um, The problem with the movie is that it just ultimately doesn't really amount to much. Like, Mm. everything you think... Okay, okay, here's what I assume is probably happening right now. And your brain's probably going to go to one of, like, three or four different places. Mm. Uh, Oh, maybe she's already dead. Or, uh, oh, she's uh, lost her mind and she doesn't realize that... Uh, she killed her girlfriend, or oh, oh that, she lo- mm. lost her mind and didn't realize that her girlfriend tried to kill her, or mm. maybe they already broke up, and it's been years and now she doesn't know maybe maybe she's an old lady now there's a there's like a there's a handful of things this could be, and it just turns out to be one of them
0: oh. <laughs> just, there's
1: no there's no real big surprise coming for you here, which is a shame because all it is 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 set up, yeah. It's all set up, and it just, we never get that like sublime moment. Like in Carnival of Souls, it's a setup, and nowadays we can kind of see where it's going because Carnival of Souls has been ripped off so much. But the reveal for the protagonist is kind of halfway yeah. horrifying and halfway an epiphany. Like it's important mm. to them, yeah. so it functions dramatically, even if you already know the twist. Um, here, it just feels like we had some neat ideas for like horror gimmicks we could do inside an apartment. and... Emily Bennett is definitely doing her very best to give an emotionally wrought performance. She's not a bad actor at all. She's doing fine. Uh, it just ultimately feels like, oh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Well, thanks. Like, that's kind of like all I can do at the end of this movie is go, I that's a nice low-budget horror movie you made, but I never really felt like the reason... I never really felt like I got anything out of it other than you proved that you can make a decent low budget horror movie. Like oh, it never which, really feels like there's a story that had to be told, like there's something important some, that's being coming across, if, something cathartic coming out of it. If
0: if it just is good at scaring you, that's the, you well, know, the I, function of a horror movie. But the problem is is
1: that because I kind of like was ahead of what the supernatural things were a mystery for hmm. Wasn't that scary? Mm. Uh, it, that's that's one of the problems. It's like it's it's all kind of mysterious. But if you kind of see where it's going from here, and it just goes there, okay, it it, it it's only so scary, you know. Mm. Uh, it's it's like um, I don't know if uh, if uh, uh, I I invited you to dinner, mm. and I invited you to dinner at sunset, and then you opened the door, and I was wearing a cape and a Dracula medal. <laughs> And I was like, come on in. Would you care for some red wine? And you were like, okay. And then at the end of the night, after many, many like twists and turns, I revealed that I was a vampire. <laughs> it might still be like, oh, no, that's not good. But you would also not be shocked. Yes. And who would kind of just feel like there was a lot of buildup and we could have gotten... this. Here's what I feel. This is a great horror short. Mm-hmm. Probably not enough material for a feature. Like if this was like a half, this was a half-hour radio drama. All right, this would be scary as hell. But I just feel like the material is just adapting it. I I just feel like the material is a little too thin to carry a full-length feature without me eventually just getting ahead of it and waiting for the movie to wrap up yeah and your mileage might vary on that You you might not necessarily jump to the conclusion that i did and then turned out to be right i'm this is not a bragging rights thing that that this is not a big deal it just ultimately just seemed like it just kind of followed the path that it was on and then concluded nah. but it's reasonably well made the acting is pretty good there's a couple of really creepy ideas in here i just don't feel like they add up to a lot but i've definitely seen worse movies
0: all right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, this is a Not just, a just a definition of a mixed there, bag. There, yeah.
1: Just definition of a mixed bag. Good setup doesn't really amount to much. All right. Uh, what about you? What about what about the horror film you saw?
0: Well, I saw a low budget horror movie called Slap Face. This okay. is one that debuted on Shutter, uh, and it was uh, directed by someone named Jeremiah Kipp, I'm unfamiliar with them. Okay. Uh, sl- uh, I think it's expanded from a short film of theirs. Uh, it is about uh, I mentioned uh, uh, Dave Eggers. Uh, And Dave Eggers' book, A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius, is about uh, he, when he's in his 20s, uh, and his younger brother living together because they just recently lost both of their parents rather dramatically. Mm. And it's about how they try to sort of figure out what life is together, uh, he and his much younger brother. Um, This is a similar setup. Uh, It's about a young boy. He's maybe 13. Mm. And his older brother, who's like in his early 20s. And they, uh, their dad has long since been out of the picture, and they both just lost their mom. And they're trying to figure out just what they do. Um, the younger of them, the main character, he's played by an actor named August Maturo, mm. uh, has a couple friends he can hang out, he hangs out with, but they're not really friends. They're actually bullies, and they're yeah. constantly making fun of him and chasing him, and like he still goes back to hang out with them because one of them uh, actually has a crush on him. And they're trying to sort of have a little bit of a, a a secret relationship. Meanwhile, the older brother is just sort of going to bars and getting drunk and trying to pick up on on the the ladies. Mm. Uh, one afternoon, while hanging out with the bullies, the younger uh, the younger of the two of them, the young boy, is dared to go into. Wouldn't you know it, the local haunted sanitarium. Oh no! Because every town has one of those. Uh, we do. Do we? Yeah. They shoot a yeah. lot of movies there. It's <laughs> over so in Hawthorne, isn't then... it? Oh, is there a, an abandoned? Yeah, hospital? I, I, I know there's there's one of, like it's not in LA proper. I think there's yeah. one like a little bit up the coast It's like an abandoned building that they, no, no, they shot a lot of I'm, I'm gonna look it up because they filmed a million movies there. Mm-hmm. Hang on a second. Um, um, but uh he goes in there and wouldn't you know it, there is a witch living in there. Hmm. Uh And it's not uh, a human witch. This is like a monster. It's like a seven foot tall thing with long spindly fingers and clearly has Mm. magical powers and doesn't speak. It just sort of growls and does harm. And he's terrified. But this thing immediately sort of attaches itself to him and is now suddenly concerned for his well-being. And whenever somebody goes to hurt this kid, which because of... His circumstances and just sort of the sad circumstances he's living in uh, is often this creature appears and does harm to whoever's harming him. Mm. The creature also goes to his house and encourages him to like trash things. There's a gun in the house. Okay. I'm going to leave that there. That, 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 that might be important later. Yeah, there, There's like a literal Chekhov's gun. Mr. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chekhov, where
1: you left your gun here. The,
0: the characters aren't named Chekhov. So, but uh, yeah, there's a, a gun introduced in the first act that comes into play later on. Uh, and it's about how this young boy kind of unwittingly and just through his very suffering is causing this creature to wreak havoc on the people in his mm. life and the lives of the, the people he's uh, encountering. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get hurt. Mm. This is not a fun horror movie. Yeah. This film is sad and miserable. <laughs> sure. whenever, whenever somebody gets hurt, it's sort of like in that movie Super... Where a guy dresses as a superhero and has a wrench and bashes somebody in the head with a wrench. And when he does, you actually see, like, the blood and hear people, like, wail in pain. Yeah. It's similar to that. When somebody gets harmed by a monster, they scream and they bleed. And when somebody finds them, they wail in complete agony. The main character is constantly in tears because he's afraid and and hurt and grieving and, you know, just feeling going through this really awful phase in their life. This isn't a cathartic kind of wailing. It's just sadness after sadness, after sadness. Jesus. Uh, it's, it's really kind of tough to take after a while. Uh, and you begin to sort of look for what uh, sort of the metaphor of what this monster is. And of course, of course, it's grieving. But more than that, it's this idea that we can unwittingly and this Kind of ties in with the worst person in the world, we can unwittingly just by making the decisions we make, cause ripples of untold harm in in the circles of the of mm. what we 're going of the people who live around us. Uh, the older brother is a, a complete shit, and the title comes from this abusive game that the the brothers play and I'm, mm. I'm, if anybody has a, a significantly older younger sibling, maybe you can recognize sort of the the ribbing or even sort of the cruel games you might have played with one another, just sort of in a good natured joshing, but also kind of dark way. Uh, slap Face is the game they played. They would slap each other in the face. Yeah. Uh, increasingly hard. Yeah. That sounds right. And that becomes sort of this, as as they, the film goes on, we see that this is being turned into... Sort of like a parenting style and a communication style about that is just sort of mushrooming from this mean little game that brothers played together into something that is tantamount to just legit abuse. Jesus, guys. So, yeah, this is about sadness, misery, abuse and death and how that leads to more sadness, misery, abuse and death. And it's good. Uh, I uh, admire its emotional rawness. Okay. Uh, it's not trying to shy away from things. It's not trying to make the horror fun.
1: Okay. It's trying
0: to make the horror horrifying. And I feel like there's a a temptation in horror movies to make the monsters a little bit too easily explainable, mm. and you wield it as a tool in a, a little bit too direct a to fashion. Mm. Uh, like the Babadook, we know what that thing is. Yeah. Uh, psycho Gorman is a tool of that psychopathic little girl. Right. Um, in this one, it's a little bit too closely tied to this kid's emotional state in order to, uh, really define super clearly what it is, uh, at least to the main character. So he's not exactly sure what it is and he's happy to have it there, but at the same time understands that it's causing a lot of harm and he doesn't know how to stop it. Right. Um, it's like, uh, it, it's the version I, it's the film I wanted A Monster Calls to be. If you remember that film, A Monster Calls, about yeah. a, a young boy who, um, he's in a, also in sort of like this grieving cycle, uh, because his mother is dying. She's not even dead yet, but he's trying to sort of come to terms with the fact that his mother is mortal. Uh, and that's sort of expressed through this monster who appears outside his window, this giant tree thing, who sort of is taking him through the stages of grief, um, and in that movie, the kid performs all kinds of horrible, violent acts, but he's forgiven because he's going through uh, uh, grieving. I actually don't, don't like that movie so much. Yeah, um, Made me cry, but I still don't like it. Yeah, uh, uh, this one faces grief in, I think, a little bit more of a, a realistic way in that you don't know how to feel a lot of the time. All you know is that you're afraid and you're, everything's sort of awful around the world and there's no comfort in this kid's life his mom and his dad are gone and all he has left is kind of an abusive older brother and bullies. There's not somebody he can sort of retreat to to save him. Yeah. Uh, And that kind of hopelessness can be an exhilarating cinema. Yeah. I think think there is... uh, a kind of glorious honesty That can be found in despair Yeah And there's a little bit of despair uh, Well I think I think horror is a great genre In which to down. deal
1: with that In a cathartic way Yeah Um By the way The the location I was thinking of It's, oh, called, no. it's called Linda Vista Hospital Uh It opened in 1905 Uh And uh by the 70s, it started, like, really deteriorating, and there have been, like, more and more, like, mm. there's more and more deaths there, and the place finally closed down in 1991, and I, over
0: I the last, like... Those, that's Reagan who did that.
1: Yeah, and then... And, uh, 91 was Clinton, I understand, but... But, but like, you know, it was, it was part of the... It deteriorated the deteriorated point where it had to. Um, and then in the years that followed, it became a very popular filming location because it was a disused hospital... In the Hollywood area. Mm, they just so, drive,
0: drive out to that hospital yeah. and shoot a horror movie. Yeah,
1: exactly. And there's a ton of movies that have filmed there. Some horror, some not. Uh, L.A. Confidential shot there. Uh, let's see. Was it, uh, the Cell shot there. Uh, mm. Insidious 2 and 3 okay. shot there. Uh, the pilot episode of ER shot there. <laughs> Which I didn't all know right. until I just looked this up just now, uh, and also, and I think this is probably like the creepiest thing that was ever filmed there. Uh, the music video for the Nine Inch Nails song "Closer" oh, was shot at the. Shot night, of nice, it uh, yeah,
0: nice warm, comforting visuals yeah. in the closer. Uh, it's it's music been video.
1: it's been long rumored to be haunted. Uh, at least one or two ghost hunting shows have filmed
0: episodes there. Was, uh, uh, here's my view on haunting. Mm. They're all true. If, no. if somebody makes up a rumor that the place is haunted, it becomes haunted.
1: Pretty much, uh, it no longer exists, or at the very least, it was retrofitted. It is now a uh, uh, like a senior living facility of some yeah. kind. But uh, that, for about 20, 25 years there, mm. it was a uh, major filming location, Los Angeles, and a lot of movies have filmed there, especially a lot of low budget ones. Um, so uh, yeah, that's Linda Vista. That's what I was thinking right. of. Linda Vista. So that was that was our haunted like asylum. Although it was mostly an actual like hospital. But anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, that is it for our new release uh, reviews. It is time to do a bit of a review roundup if you're new or if you want a reminder. Our reviews go thusly. We rate our films on a scale of C- to C+. The lowest rating you can get is a C-. That's below average. That's We don't recommend that. That's not a movie we recommend you run out and see. It could also be just terrible. But, generally you know, speaking, we don't recommend it. Uh, C is average. Yeah, some good, some bad could be worse kind of deal mm-hmm. and then a C plus is above average in some way. We recommend you see it might be the greatest movie ever made anything in between It's a c plus Whitney mm. Where do you rank slapface
0: sla uh, um... It's it's incredibly powerful. It's difficult to recommend just because it's so dour. Yeah, I'm going to give it a high C. Okay, uh, just because I think it really is interested in uh, sort of feeling all of its raw emotions rather than sort of obfuscating them. Uh, but it's yeah, it's not uh, not quite the revelation. I, th- yeah. I think it, it could have been.
1: Uh, okay, uh, next up is Alone with You, mm-hmm. a horror film about a woman trapped in an apartment. Um, it competently produced couple of good scares here and there. Certainly some good ideas. Uh, but I just don't feel like it adds up to enough to truly recommend it. Like you have to see this movie. Hmm. Uh, so it's just, a, it's just a slightly high C. You know, just All like right. it's a, if, if that sounds like something you would really be excited to see, you might enjoy it more than others. Everyone else, it's a rental if you're feeling up to that kind of movie right now. But it's not hmm. really like this unsung classic you're going to have to check out.
0: Uh, next up, Polystyrene. Hmm. I am a cliche. Uh Polystyrene. Um... If you're interested in in punk rock and early mm-hmm. punk and, and, you know, the London scene in the early 80s, definitely see it. Uh, that it's a C+. Plus. Okay. Um, it's not going to be sort of the exhaustive history of punk because it's actually told by her daughter. It's a little bit more yeah. personal. More narrowly
1: that. focused here. Yeah.
0: Um, so it, it might be upsetting if you're looking for a little bit more historical detail. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it a, a, also a high C.
1: Okay. Um, so the and, official review is a high C.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. But some people might really be into it more than others. Got it. Yeah, uh, it, wow. it, it,
0: I, I think mm-hmm.
1: if you're yeah, in the target you're, you're, demo, you're going to like in, it a lot. Your
0: interest is going to depend on you know how you react to that kind of music. So, All right, fair enough. Uh, the worst person in the world—that's uh, a C plus. I yeah. really, really dug this film. I think it's incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. I think it's really insightful. I think uh, it understands something about the experience of being in your twenties uh, and you know sort of how it can be. Bad, but it's something that you kind of have to live through, and uh, mm-hmm. it you know, understands sort of the the ladder you climb to get to a, a wiser place in your life. Yeah,
1: I agree. I think it's mm-hmm. beautifully performed. I think it's wonderfully conceived. Um, I I love that the filmmaker doesn't feel hamstrung by reality, and it can occasionally delve into the fantastic in order to mm-hmm. reach at something universal and human. Uh, this is a huge C plus fantastic motion picture. Um, Damn, it's good. Please go see (laughs) it. Uh, And then lastly, Moonfall.
0: Tell me about Moonfall. I'm
1: really torn on what to give Moonfall because there's a really good argument for a C minus, a C, and a C (laughs) plus. C minus because it is very stupid. C because it's stupid but also glorious. Mm. And C plus because it's kind of glorious. Um, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to give it a C plus. I think this is a very entertainingly silly movie that never apologizes for being silly, and that yields some wonderfully entertaining, albeit highly absurd, sequences, moments, lines of dialogue. I had a really good time watching it, and unless your mind rejects something as ludicrous as The Moon is a (laughs) Cover-Up, which I don't blame you for, that's fine, but if you reject that, you're not going to like this movie. If you accept that that's what we're buying into today... And you just try to enjoy how relentlessly absurd and how far Roland Emmerich can take this. You're going to have an entertaining time. So I'm going to give it a low C plus.
0: Okay. And
1: that it's not a worst person in the world C plus. There is a v- infinite space <laughs> between
0: <laughs> the one the space and the other. Of, between the moon. And-
1: <laughs> the space oh, between oh, the it's, it's it's like uh, there's there's infinite space between atoms in our body. Right? That's Uh, actually like a a scientific thing. Like, you know, there's actually like a lot of space there. You can always divide it by half. That's as much space as is between Moonfall and the worst person in the world. They're both C-pluses, but there's a lot of space between them. Anyway, that is it. That is it for Critically Acclaimed this week. Uh, Next week we'll be back with the Death on the Nile. A new Hercule Poirot film from Kenneth Branagh with an all-star cast.
0: Yeah, follow up to uh, his version of Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, other things hmm. as I, well. I guess they couldn't call it Murder on the Nile. That would be a little too obvious. Well, also, well, I mean, they're, they're both kind of mean. This. Too obvious. Death, death, death on the. Well, we we want to have.
1: If... We want to have plausible deniability. Maybe it was an accident.
0: Yeah, one is definitely a murder. The other one is just uh, death.
1: Yeah, I'm also really looking forward to reviewing. It's it's a murder. There's a murder on the mind. I'm sure there is. I'm also really looking forward to reviewing the new Jennifer Lopez Owen Wilson rom com "Marry Me," which I saw the trailer for. I I was just like, "Oh my god, yes, yes, please!" This feels like something that would have come out in the '90s, and it would have been amazing. Like, I just I miss this dopey era of rom coms. Please bring it back. I hope
0: this this goes well, and uh, and I, I think next week uh, mm. there's a film coming out called "The Sky Is Everywhere," which I okay. watched already. I got to interview the director, uh, cool. so I'll be. I got to. I get to transcribe that pretty look soon. At you, okay, look yeah. at you
1: being all badass. Look at you!
0: I I, I got like celebrity.
1: Oh my god! Film critic and interviewer, my goodness! And I, I'm just reporter. I'm
0: just working again. It's nice. I love and, it. I'm
1: so happy for you, dude. So read. Yeah, make sure to... you read Whitney's work. Whitney, where can they find your work?
0: Uh, oh, I'm, I am. I'm writing for Slash Film, and, yeah. and oh golly, you don't have to read it. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm writing for because uh, I have no confidence in my work. But uh, you, you should. You're really talented. Go to Slash Film, and you can find my. my yeah new news stories and reviews and various chicken scratchings of mine whitney
1: is writing consistently for slash film i am writing inconsistently for the rap uh but the majority of our work you can find here uh on the critically acclaimed network you can also head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network for even more exclusive stuff including our podcast all our yesterdays where we review every single episode of star trek in order Our podcast, Only the Best, where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We're halfway through the 1940s right now. It's a very exciting time. Uh, We have a podcast called Holy Batman. We're reviewing every single episode of the 1960s Batman. We do commentary tracks. We do hangouts with our patrons. We got a lot going on over there. Very special shout out to all of our patrons. We would not be here without you, and we never forget that for a second. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for your contributions, and to everyone else who wants to sign up, uh, we have a lot of stuff waiting for you over there, so thank you for that. We're also on Twitter, at CriticAcclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. If you would like to email us about anything we discussed in this episode, or anything else at all you want us to talk about, any questions you want answered, anything you want to throw in our face, you disagree with our review, you think Moonfall is terrible, you think Moonfall is the greatest movie we've ever made... You think Moonfall is uh, some kind of hovercraft? I don't know. Whatever you want to talk about, our email address is letters at net. We
0: also have a P.O. box. Whitney, what is that? Uh, yeah, send us an actual physical letter uh, to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064.
1: And don't forget, Valentine's Day is coming up, and it is not too late to buy soaps from Salt Cat Soap, our Etsy store run by myself and my partner, M. Lapis De Silva. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Salt Cat Soap. And you can also head on over to Salt Cat Soap on Etsy. Just look for the link. Uh, We have a lot of really nice Valentine's Day gift sets that we are selling, including uh, chocolate heart, soap set they smell delicious and like chocolate truffles uh we also have a floral heart gift set it smells like things like lilies and roses and they're really 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 nice mm-hmm. and we have a lot of other wonderful soaps besides that make wonderful gifts or if you just want to keep yourself clean you could just buy them for that mm-hmm. uh but thank you to everybody who's already purchased our soaps we have a lot of really really great reviews that means the world to us thank you for enjoying our stuff and uh thank you for supporting the store Uh, That is it for Critically Acclaimed this week. Thank you once again, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you throughout the week with more and more podcasts. And never forget, everyone, yes, everyone, yes, you, (laughs) everyone's a critic. I want to go to the midnight
0: show. I'm sorry, what? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?